Let's pray for Tim. Our Father, we thank you that we can hear your word preached to us. What a privilege that the Bible is opened up and God the Holy Spirit takes it and supernaturally drives it into our souls that we might see clearly your glory in Jesus. We are mere human beings, earthenware vessels. But praise the Lord, vessels in your hand. You have deposited in us your treasure, namely Jesus, that we might proclaim him for the transformation of all who hear and respond in faith. So as Tim brings us your word, we pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will anoint him uniquely for this very assignment, for your glory, and for our blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, good morning. If I could express how my heart is beating right now. First and foremost, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to, to stand before you today. Um, I'm humbled. Again, my heart is beating like, like I'm about to jump off of a cliff. Uh, not because I'm scared, but simply because I want to make sure to honor the Lord, which will happen. So, and I also thank God. For, I, so I have to, I grew up in a very Pentecostal church where there was a long format for, you know, order of service. So I'll do the same thing just very briefly. So I gave honor to the pastor, um, to, to the leaders, right, that serve alongside him as ministers, um, the individuals that co the, 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 the ministry team, all those who serve. I give honor to my wife of, of 11 years. And um, so, yeah, you can definitely clap. Yes. And as my pastor used to say back in Texas, uh, and to all of God's little children. <laughs> I want to uh, also apologize because, uh, like I think Brother Matt said a while ago, you know, my mother tongue is English. So when I speak, sometimes I speak fast. So there may be some things that you miss. Don't worry, the Holy Spirit will reveal them to you later. <laughs> When I took a look at these scriptures, I realized, especially for the, the, the in-depth Bible teachers, like an hour just on one scripture. And these scriptures that we read are incredibly in-depth, but today I cannot focus on everything, so I'll just highlight a few things that I believe that the Lord wants to say today, focusing on Paul's encounter with God, his calling, and then him understanding the context that he was in to preach the gospel. When you look at Acts, what I want to do now, specifically as we look at Acts 26, I know everyone has studied the Bible back and forth, but just to give a little context for those who may not understand what's happening right now. Paul is standing before Agrippa, and in this particular time, he is not necessarily on trial, but he was almost like on a pre-trial before heading to Rome. Paul is both a Jew and a Roman citizen, and if you go back to the previous chapters in Acts, you'll see that he was, pre he was on a preaching mission. And as a part of this mission, uh, the things that he was doing essentially made the people upset. They trumped up some charges against him, and they said, you know what, we have, and they actually wanted to kill him. And so in route to being on trial, 
He was incarcerated for a few years, and now we see where he is right now on his way back to Rome to stand before Caesar. He is now in a position to where he is, in essence, defending his case against those that were in this particular arena. This is not the first, so a few things about Paul for those who don't understand. This is not the first time that Paul has been in jail, and it won't be the last time. It's important because context one time and the pastor said that context without text is a con so context without text is a con so understanding the context is important as i said this is not the first time or the last accusations in acts 21 um, and him move trying to navigate this kind of uh in essence a somewhat uh, corrupt judicial system where there was instances of, you know, the leaders trying to appease the people, even though they knew that there was no wrongdoing that Paul had done. Nevertheless, because they wanted to appease the people, they had to do something anyway to show that we are, you know, giving by force, right, Paul? And so the thing that's interesting is when we look at, we'll get into this later, but when we look at Paul's background as a Jew and as a Roman, as an individual who spoke both Greek as well as Aramaic or Hebrew, you realize that throughout Paul's life and his message, God utilized all of these different areas of his identity, his ethnicity, his linguistics, in order to reach the people that God had sent him to reach. You can go through the book of Acts to learn a little bit more. As I said, I wanna be respectful of time. Otherwise, we'll be here going through about 15 pages of notes. And you guys would be like, whatever, whatever. Please hurry up and finish. But I don't want to do that. So again, I said there's three major things that I want to talk about today. The first one is Paul's encounter with God. So let's start right there. When you go through specific, and we start at verse 14. I don't know if it's going to be on the screen. If not, I'll read it. Paul says that when I fell to the ground... I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gold that was as was already was read. He says, I am Jesus whom you persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you will see and hear of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan of God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Can you imagine, right? Paul is standing before the leadership, Agrippa, and he says, permit me to speak. And the reason he's speaking this way to King Agrippa because when you go through the scriptures, you realize that the king had an understanding of Jewish customs and traditions. And so Paul understood the context he was in in order to speak freely like this. And so as he, got, so as he starts, he begins to, in this part of scripture, he starts to basically tell how he came to know God. He's standing before the leadership, almost on a pretrial, and he's giving his testimony. The reason this is important is because you will read several times throughout scripture where Paul recounts his testimony over and over and over again because it was not just a religious expression of something that he heard, but it was something personal to him. 
I remember when I first came to know the Lord in 2006. After that encounter, I prayed that anytime God would give me an opportunity to speak, that I would, re I re I would retell my testimony. Because sometimes it's in the simplicity of our testimony that people are one to Christ. So if you'll allow me, I'll share just a brief part of my testimony, my encounter with God that I oftentimes go back to today when I'm having moments of doubt and fear and a lack of understanding and theological propositions that, you know, make me pontificate in ways that is way beyond I want to do. In 2006, I was at a very small Pentecostal church that was very similar to a lot of, you know, churches in Ghana where we're praising the Lord, we're speaking in tongues. Specifically, if you grew up in, um, you know, America or used to black American church, I grew up in a church called the Church of God in Christ, which is a, which is a very, very charismatic church. Kojic! That's what it was called. Kojic, Church of God in Christ. And I remember when I was at university, I had a place in my life where I was tired of religion. And I was absolutely sick of Christians. Every single time I would talk to a Christian and ask them a question about the Bible, they would reply with things like, just have faith. Just believe. You shouldn't question God. And so around the age of 20, I said, I'm done with religion. And I'm going to create my own religion. So I went to the library and I started studying Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, black nationalism. And I said, I'm going to create this consortium of religion that is for me. But along this journey, I met a man who actually, his name is Timothy, just like myself. Uh, my name is Timothy Dwayne Swain. Uh, his name is Timothy Wayne. And so I met this man named Timothy Wayne. I was, I was drunk. Well, I had a hangover. I had a hangover. So I was, on Saturday night, I was drunk. I woke up on Sunday, and I went to a restaurant, and I saw this lady, and she looked like she just came from church. So I said, what church do you go to? She gave me the address. And so when I went to the church, I went to a black church where they were in church all day long, from like 9 to 3 p.m. So I woke up late and I said, listen, if I just, so I showed up to the church, I met this man, and through the next several years, he discipled me before I knew what discipleship was. And I didn't really like Jesus, but I saw that he had something in him that was compelling me to want to know more about the Jesus that he talked about. And so throughout the course of several years, I went through this extreme period of depression and insecurity and anxiety and almost some demonic attacks. And I got to the place in my life where I said, I'm tired, Lord. And if you're real, show me who you are. And on a, trying to hide, trying to be cool. I remember I had, you know, there, we had this style back in the day where we would, we would put one part of our our shirt tucked in like this. I don't know why. So you can show the kind of belt that you wore. Uh, so I, I was sitting in the back of the church like this, and the preacher was preaching. And the more the preacher was preaching, it's like everyone else in the room disappeared. And God was speaking directly to me. So I'm sitting at the back of the church, and this minister is saying things that's penetrating my heart. And tears began to fall and I said, I don't know what's happening, but I know something is happening on the inside of me. And so the preacher said, we're going to do the altar call. And at the church that I was a part of, they have the oil. They, you know, they put it on your head and they, in the name of Jesus. But with a black accent, in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you right now, right? So it was the way that they did it. So I got up to the altar. 
And I was looking the preacher in his eyes, and I said, God, I'm tired. I don't know who you are, but if you're real, show me. And the preacher got right here to lay hands on me, and I fell to my knees. And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, thank you, Jesus. And literally, January of 2006, that was my encounter with God that transformed the rest of my life. The reason this is important is because much like Paul throughout his ministry and his life, he goes back to this encounter that he had with God. And for a lot of us, the question is, you know, what is our encounter with God if you've had one? If you haven't, then that is, you know, possibly Pastor Sam will do an invitation at some point to allow you to have an encounter with God. But it's important because it helps me and it helps us to understand that when we are not necessarily trial, but when our faith, when our, our careers, and when we get to a place in life where sometimes we don't just know what to do, we can go back to this moment of really understanding how the encounter that we have with God has transformed our life. I realized that because of the encounter, it, allow, it allows us to be transformed. Religion can conform us, but an encounter with God can transform us. The question is, have you had an encounter with God? When we look back uh, in the scriptures, we see after Paul is telling about how he met the Lord on his road to Damascus in these same verses, he says in verse 17 that God gave him a distinct calling, which is, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So as a result of Paul's encounter with God, now he understands that he is now called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. The Bible also says that when you read specifically in verse, uh, like Acts chapter 9, that he is going to suffer. Right? I don't know if you know the history of Paul, but Paul basically used to be uh, what, we would, what I would call a heathen. Right? Blood was on his hands. He would go about, um, if he did not um, kill Christians himself, and he was in the position where he, in essence, cast his vote to allow it to happen. And he tells this over and over again in scriptures where you realize, can you imagine somebody, I mean, just imagine somebody right now that you know has been a murderer. A, I'm talking about a for real murderer, a thief, a killer, all of these things. And now he comes back and says, I'm preaching the gospel. You will look at this person a certain way, like, hmm. But when you look at Acts 9 and other uh, chapters, specifically in scriptures, it tells about how Paul understood his assignment. He knew that he would suffer. He knew that um, he would be beaten. He would be in jail. Um, people would try to take his life. He would be shipwrecked. But the thing is, his confidence in his calling enabled him to stand before people like King Agrippa and deliver a testimony. And when you read even before in Acts 21, 22, and you go forward to Acts uh, 27 and 28, you'll see that he, depending on the context, he changed a little bit of the details, but he kept going back to his calling. Paul spoke with a level of power. He spoke to people in poverty. He spoke to people um, that will persecute him. But the one thing that's consistent throughout his ministry is this. He understood his assignment. 
The other thing that's interesting to note about Paul is this, you know, of our, let's say, current Bible, which is composed of the Old Testament and New Testament, 66 books, the New Testament having 27, Paul wrote 13 of them. So Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament books. So his impact is felt not just in the spreading of the gospel, but also in his writings that, um, you know, I mean, I mean, they're timeless. They're timeless. The interesting thing also is some of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote while he was in jail. And the reason that this is so important is because when you understand what God has called you to do, in the midst of adversity, you will stay consistent. I remember um, when, after I first got, I became a Christian or I got saved, as my church would say, um, I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry. And so I remember talking to my mentor about it, and I moved from where I lived, which was a state, a southern state called Texas, uh, which is very, the weather was very nice, and then I moved to a, a central state called Indiana, where it was, oh my God, it was horrendously cold. It was terrible. It was very, it snowed, it was horrible. But I remember when I was making this transition, I, I was a leader at my church, and I told them that I feel like God is calling me to leave. And they asked me, well, are you sure? I mean, they prayed over me not to go, all these other kind of things. And I remember during that time, uh, I had, at this time I graduated college. So I had a master's degree. I literally had a job. I had benefits, all of that stuff. And then I felt like the Lord was calling me to leave that, to go and raise my own salary, to work as, uh, basically we worked as what we call musicianaries, where we created music and stuff like that. So can you imagine when I went to the leadership of my church and I told them that I'm quitting my job, to go and raise money. They, they, they looked at me like, are you crazy? Like it doesn't make sense. But throughout that journey, I remember that an individual that I had a conversation with, one of my mentors, he said that sometimes in life, you'll get to the place to where things just don't make sense. And the only thing you can rely on is the undeniable call. The moment I knew that I had an undeniable call of the Lord, and just to show you how God works, let me just give you a brief timeline. So I, I quit my job on a Friday. Now, I gave 30-day notice, okay, because we have to be professional now, all right? So I gave 30-day notice. I didn't just walk away. God has called me to, to the ministry and leave. I gave notice. But I left my job on a Friday. I went to, I flew to do my training on a Saturday. And around that Sunday is when I had an encounter where I met my wife on that Sunday. So that's how it happened, if I remember the story correctly. Maybe I don't, but that's how I remember it. <laughs> something like that, something like that. And right after that as well, when I was a part of this ministry, I started taking these trips back and forth to Africa. And so it was these trips going back and forth to Africa that actually prompted me back, that ultimately led us to moving here four years ago. So when we're obedient to the call of God, as Paul said he was, um, the, the, you, you see how God works in the midst of that. So we, we, we've covered briefly, right, this encounter that Paul had with God, his understanding of his calling. And now this last part I want to get into is something that's very interesting because I don't know if we teach about it enough, but it's about the cultural context that the gospel takes place in. Think environment, as a Jew, as a Roman citizen, um, as, a, as an individual who spoke Aramaic as well as Greek. 
And so because he understood this, he knew how to apply the gospel message in a different context. And this is important because when you go back, let's say to Acts chapter 22, and this angry mob was really trying to kill Paul. The Bible says that he spoke to them in Aramaic and the crowd became quiet. Nelson Mandela once said that if you talk to a man in his language, the understanding goes to his head. But if you talk to him in his own language, it goes to his heart. So if you talk to a man in a language he understands, it goes to his head. But if you talk to him in his own language, it goes to his heart. When Paul spoke to the crowd in their own language, it was something that made, there's a connection there. I mean, listen, if I spoke tree, I'll be speaking tree right now. I'll just be reiterating these points in tree, and, but I don't know any tree except aquaba. It's a saying, but if I put all these phrases together, it won't make sense. But if I knew some tree or some airway or some other languages, I'll be speaking them right now just to reiterate the point, but I don't. So just, you, you translate in your own mind. You translate in your own mind. So once we have an encounter with God, it doesn't mean that we're disconnected from the world and God totally throws away everything else in terms of our identities. What it simply means is this, God uses those things for his purpose. And I remember growing up, and I was, grew up in a church that taught us that once you become a Christian, nothing else matters in terms of your gifts, your talents, everything you just throw away, you know? All things become new, right? The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. They kind of taught it in a way that wasn't the best. And so as a result of that, you had so many people trying to figure out, okay, God, what do I do right now? I'm a Christian. I've come to know you. So what do I do? Do I just go and preach every day? Do I not go to work? Do I just go and preach every day? No. But the thing is, just because we have a relationship with God and God transforms our life, it doesn't mean that we're disconnected from the world or the cultural context in which God has raised us. I believe that a theologian, an African theologian by the name of John Mbiti that said that wherever the Africa, or excuse me, wherever the African is, there is also religion. And he was speaking to the fact that in his particular context and in this context of Africa, um, you know, we are very religious or very religious. It's not the same thing as uh, spiritual and having a relationship with God, but there's, we're very religious. And so he's really speaking to the point to where no matter where you go, you are always going to be there. And God can utilize those areas of your identity to speak the gospel to people that are in need. Paul reasserts re this in uh, 1 Corinthians 9 where he talks about um, to the Jew, he became a Jew. To those under the law, he became under the law. And then at the end of it, he begins to say that I became all things to all men that I may win some. So in essence, he understands that wherever God has placed him, he utilizes what he has to win people for the name of the Lord. This understanding of our encounter with God, of our calling, and then of our cultural context really helps us make the gospel message relevant. When I think about my own self, I mean, the reason I'm in Ghana is because, um, you know, a long time ago, I really felt like the Lord said it's time to go to Ghana. Can you imagine? Oh, Bruni is coming from the U.S., moving to Ghana. How many people are, 
<laughs> How many people in Ghana? <laughs> when I told them I moved from the U.S. to Ghana, <laughs> I'm sure they asked me, was I crazy? Have I gone mad? Just because of the perceptions. Um, but it was because I understood that, number one, God had really given me a passion for people of African descent. And the NGO that I have, we do work in the central region around entrepreneurship and stuff. And we also have an understanding of, of not only cultural identity as well. And I oftentimes go back to these things when I'm um, confused, when I'm thinking about what's my purpose, and I'm trying to really stay centered in you know, God's calling and over my life. The thing is, when we look at this, Paul was able to address the issues relevant to the context that he was in. You know, when he was speaking about the resurrection, there were some who believed in a resurrection, some who did not. But these were the issues pertinent to that particular time and that particular frame. And so for a lot of us, it's important for us to understand the context that we're in when we're preaching the gospel uh, because it helps us to really reach people more. I remember when I was in school, I went to school um, at a school called Akrofi Cristala uh, Institute of Theology, ACI, up in the mountains in Acropone. And I remember being in class, and as we were having these conversations about the gospel and culture, right? That was, that was, that was, that was the big thing about ACI, if you know ACI, it's about the gospel and culture. It really opened my eyes to really understand that, that when God gives you an assignment, gospel is just as important as how you deliver it to the people that you're delivering it to. And so when we went on um, and you know, learned all these heavy theological blah, 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 I think the central message was simply this. Um, the gospel is the thing that transforms, but we have an ability to speak it in a way um, in people's language where it can impact them. So what does this mean for us right now? Well, it's a few things. Number one, as I said, I think that we have to understand our encounter with God and be affirmed that, number one, if we've had an encounter with God, but if we haven't, to have a, a supernatural encounter with God, because again, I believe that religion can conform us, but a relationship or an encounter with God can transform us. The second thing is we have to understand our calling. Um, and then lastly, we have to understand um, all of the things that make up who we are and how God is using us um, in this particular time frame for this particular season. There are a lot of notes I have I won't get to. But I'll simply end with a challenge to us, which is if you look at the life of Paul uh, and you look at this message that he has that oftentimes seems very simple, um, but he's affirmed in it. The question I have for us is, what is, what do you believe about the gospel? And how has it compelled you in your life to either do something for someone else? What is it that you believe that God, why do you believe God has placed you right here, right now, at this time in Redeemer City Church, with the friends and the relationships that you have, what do you believe God wants you to do with that? And I believe that as we look at these scriptures and if we look at how Paul has utilized his background, um, his identity, and even the context that he was in to preach the gospel, it reminds us that uh, we too have an assignment. And in the midst of all these things, the important message simply is to go and preach the gospel and to realize that God can use all of us 
to save some. Gracious God, I pray that the message that went forth today, although it may not have been as um, articulate as it could have been, may not have been as in-depth as it could have been, um, I pray, Lord, that the, the soil that it was supposed to be uh, sown up within, it was sown within. I pray that the seed that was supposed to reach, the soil it was intended to reach, it will reach. And I pray, Lord, uh, that today we'll be able to reflect on your word and also understand the reason that you've placed us here and just move forward for your name. Amen.